everybody, and welcome to the Put Cancer Behind You podcast, a series dedicated to helping cancer patients and survivors lead healthy, happy, cancer-free lives. I'm your host, Maria Barnes. Welcome to part two of my interview with Jill Krause, a certified cancer survivorship coach, oncology yoga teacher, and breath coach. Jill's also the owner and founder of Universal Love, a community creating space for people to reconnect, reclaim, and redefine their lives after a cancer diagnosis. In part one, Jill took us through the early stages of her cancer journey, which is to say, finding a lump and being misdiagnosed before she was diagnosed with two cancerous breast tumors and opted to have a double mastectomy. But there was more to come. In this part of the interview, she details the trauma she underwent and, more importantly, reveals how it all brought her to where she is today, strong, healthy, surviving, and serving others. I hope you enjoyed listening to her story. So I have a double mastectomy, and then, so there are different routes. You can have surgery pre-treatment or after. Mine was pre So I had to heal from that. So my body was not using energy on healing before starting chemotherapy. So I started chemotherapy in July and then finished with that and then had reconstructive surgery. And I had what's called a a deep flap. And that was using the fat in my stomach to make breasts. It's a very intense surgery. It's a hip to hip scar surgery where they take out the fat, they take out the the veins and the arteries and reconnect. So it's intense surgery, um, recoveries in the ICU with a flap, which is why it's called that, a flap and that flap is open. Um, So if it starts to die, you'll know right away if the arteries and veins are not working and then they can go in because the flap is open. Right. So healed from that, which was quite intense. You're having upper chest surgery and full abdominal surgery at the exact same time. Mm. So no, no torso involvement in healing or self-care or anything. And I have four children, (laughs) you know, at home. So I had that, recovered from that. And then that needed a bunch of revisions, which I had over about a year and a half process. I ended up in total having eight surgeries in about 20, 21 months. Jeez. I ended up also having to have a hysterectomy. Right. And... The hysterectomy was prophylactic, and it was really a mental health decision. I had had previous issues with hemorrhaging after my fourth child, and I was anemic. I couldn't leave my house. Like we, we had to do something. So I had an ablation, and we cauterized some things, and... At the time when I had that done, I was 35 years old. My OB told me that the only risk factor I would have from this procedure was that I wouldn't spot. I wouldn't have any early warning signs of anything going on due to the procedure. Like cancer. <laughs> like cancer. Yeah. But of course, 
I'm 35. I'm so young. That's so rare. One of my least favorite words in the human language is rare. And we had to do something. So we had it done. Fast forward three years, I'm at my oncologist office and he's saying, you know, I want to put you on tamoxifen, which is a estrogen blocking oral medication that people at the time were on for five years. Right. Protocol has now changed to 10. And let's start you on that since your tumor was, you know, hormone receptive. Right. Well, I don't know about, you know, you or your listeners, but I'm one that reads the papers that come from the pharmacy. (laughs) I'm one of those readers. This was a novel. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It was probably 20 pages of stuff. Yeah. And the very last line is make sure the benefits outweigh the risks in black, bold, capital letters. I was like, comforting. So I make an appointment. I go in and I'm sharing my concerns with my oncologist. Like, do my, do the benefits outweigh the risks? Like, I don't know. And he says there are gynecological cancers that can come from taking tamoxifen. But let me ease your mind, Jill. No one's died. No (laughs) one has died. Wonderful. Thank you. Yes. No one has died from taking tamoxifen because everybody had early warning signs of spotting. So as soon as somebody started spotting, went to the oncologist, went off of tamoxifen, everything was fine. Well, I, of course, my heart drops. I start crying in the office and I'm like, she told me I'd never spot and I wouldn't have those early warning signs. And now what? What's this? roadblock. And again, asking, now what? Like, what do I do? And for mental health reasons, we decided that a hysterectomy would be the best route because I would not have the spotting. I needed to be on this medicine. And if you have a hysterectomy, you can go on a different medicine. So you don't have to be on the tamoxifen. So that eliminated both risk factors. And to backtrack a little, chemotherapy has the potential of putting people into menopause. Some do, some don't. Right. I did. So I went into full menopause. My hormone levels were checked for a length of time to make sure and guarantee. And so I was already in menopause. So that made the decision for a hysterectomy a little bit easier that I wasn't forcing menopause since it was already forced on me by the chemo. Right. Not an easy decision, but a decision that I needed to make for my mental health. So what happened? So, well, this is where my story becomes really challenging, difficult to talk about. Part of my life story that has carried an immense amount of shame. I have gotten to a point where I know my story is one to be told, but for a lot of years, many, many years, I lived in shame over this next part of my story. So had my hysterectomy. 
was told could not have intercourse for six weeks after hysterectomy. Fine. And in between, so the hysterectomy, and then I had another revision, again, in and out of surgeries. And then um, it was about 14 weeks, my husband and I decided to have intercourse. Waited way longer than the six weeks. It's 14 weeks. In the middle of intercourse, um, something terribly wrong happened didn't know what it was, but it is something I had never experienced in my life. Pain like I had never experienced in my life. Literally had to push him out of me in a panicked state of just repeating and screaming and crying. Something's terribly wrong. Something's terribly wrong. Something's terribly wrong. Body went into shock. Ended up naked on the floor, my three-year-old coming home from preschool. I mean, the whole thing was uh, quite a quite a scene. My daughter was mortified that I was naked and there were strange men in the house. She kept rummaging through my dresser to throw anything on me that it was it was traumatic to say the least. What ended up happening was that my hysterectomy ruptured. It's called a dehiscence, which is really just a fancy term for hole. I had an almost inch hole, a little over three quarters of an inch hole. I lost all my abdominal fluid. My bowels fell through, which was the immense pain and feeling that I had never felt before of something majorly wrong because it was. My bowels were falling through my body was rushed to the hospital in which I was told this was extremely dangerous, that the outside world and the inside world should never meet, especially your bowels, um, which are highly full of bacteria. And they were very concerned that I was going to end up with sepsis. Right. And, you know, it's very interesting where your brain goes. She said, this is very serious. Yeah. You know, I just finished chemo. I had, I know serious. Like, so I look at her and I said, am I, am I dying today? Like, am, like what? And she goes, oh no, you're not dying, but you will be in surgery in a couple hours. And I was like, oh, okay. So your serious definition and my <laughs> serious definition are different. Even though I didn't realize that that surgery would pretty much change my life. Ended up being transferred to Johns Hopkins, which I'm very fortunate and blessed to be 20 minutes from. Yeah. Hopkins is amazing as they are and blessed beyond belief that they are there. It is a teaching hospital. So when you have something rare happen and you are at a teaching hospital, everybody wants to see you. Oh, yeah. So a dehiscence after 14 weeks of... Uh, surgery is extremely rare. All the OB residents, all the gyno residents, never seen a dehiscence before. So you got a dehiscence coming in. Everybody wants to see it. So everybody kept coming in with their speculums and looking at my inch hole with my bowels falling through it and 
as I stated earlier, most pain I've ever been in. So through this process, you lose a lot of humility. You you lose modesty. You lose, yeah. you disconnect. You disconnect to survive. I'm naked on a table. I had just, you know, made love to my husband and now I'm fearing for my life and speculum after speculum is coming and shoving it inside my my vagina and you have to disconnect. Like you you have to. Yeah. I was really just a body laying there and they were looking at somebody's parts and it was science and it was maybe I'm going to be in a book, you know, maybe you know, maybe they're going <laughs> to write a paper about me, but it was um, a, a very poignant point in my recovery of I'm I'm purposefully disconnecting here. End result, um, I was rushed into surgery, being told that I was most likely going to wake up with a with a bag that the as long as my bowels had been out of where they were supposed to be, they were sure they had started to die, and. Because of my lymph node removal and I can't use my right arm for medical procedures, I'd probably wake up with IVs in my neck or in my chest or no time to talk. Like, we're rushing you in. You're going under. Like, let's go. There was a fellow, an OBGYN fellow. There was a gastroenterologist and there was a just general surgeon who were reeling my gurney into the operating room. Luckily, by somebody, something, some power, some something, who was looking down on me and saying, please, poor girl's been through enough. Can we just cut her a little bit of slack? The fellow OBGYN convinced the gastroenterologist to not do a full body vertical incision to check my bowel, which is what I was told that I would have a chest to belly vertical incision, um, convinced him, can we just laparoscopically look at various points throughout the bowel and see if anything has started to die off before we do that major surgery? Ah. For some reason, thank God, he listened. They laparoscopic to me, looked, you know, four or five places throughout. It had not started to die. So they put everything back in and then sutured me and sutured me and sutured me. I think I had six rows of sutures and woke up. And I woke up pissed. Woke up really, really pissed. <laughs> um Emergency surgery is not the same as going in scheduled surgery, right? I like to be calm. I like to do some breathing exercises. I like to talk to the anesthesiologist. And this was, you're going under. We're we're in an emergency here. And as I had said earlier, I had trained to be a sign language interpreter. So I woke up pissed. And I didn't want to speak to anybody. So I started signing. And it's very funny. So my husband says to me, as he signs a little, I've taught him some things throughout there, but he says to me, 
they kept looking up and down your chart like, why didn't anybody tell us she was deaf? Like no one told us she was deaf, but I wanted nothing to do with any of them. All I did, I woke up, I said, do I have a bag? That was, I did not know how I was going to at 40 years old. I would have, but at the time that was the straw. (laughs) That was what I could not handle. Yeah. I did not wake up with a bag. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. I was able to recover physically from the surgeries, but it completely altered the trajectory of my husband's and my intimate life. Sure. And we still to this day have to work on it. We struggle. We, yeah, there was a lot of healing that needed to be done. There was true PTSD from that experience on both of our ends. He was afraid to touch me um, because the last time he had, it ended up with this major life-altering event. I was afraid to be touched. I was in a lot of pain. I had, like I said, about six or seven rows of sutures, um, which leaves massive scar tissue, which is very painful. And... I was already in menopause, not able to take hormones. So it's been it's been our our work to not only heal ourselves but to heal our intimate life. Yeah. Yeah. That takes a lot of work. And yes. they that's something they never tell you. But for most cancer patients and survivors that is a reality. Correct. It just is. Yeah. So it's it's life-changing. So that's the gist of everything you went through up through your surgeries. How did you start to heal and how did that act as a catalyst for changing your life so that you can help and assist others to, sure. to get beyond all of this and to get through it? A lot of work. Yeah. It's work. It's daily practice work. It's daily practice work. For me... It started, I frequented acupuncture throughout with my same acupuncturist that I had been using prior. So she was with me before, middle, after, and she definitely worked on moving stuck energy and reconnecting things that had been severed both physically through knives and surgery, and then reconnecting mind-body connections that had been severed. And she recommended that I try Qigong. Hmm. And I had never really heard of Qigong. And she recommended me to this healer in my area. And so I went. And we're standing there. I'm bald. We're all standing in this room. I really didn't know what I was doing. And he instructs us to take one giant inhale, reaching our arms all the way up over our head, and then allowing one giant exhale to bring our hands all the way down to our sides. Cool. I think I can, I can do that. It's breathing. I can do this. So if we're envisioning my arms starting at six o'clock and we're supposed to take our big inhale and go up to 12 o'clock. I took my inhale and I made it to about eight o'clock and my breath stopped. 
And when you're somewhere and you don't know what you're doing and you're with veterans who, you know, are doing this breath work, I started, you know, looking around and doubting and do I just stop here? Do I take another breath? Like, sure, really what I'm supposed to do. But in that moment, I knew I needed to do something. I had forgotten how to breathe. I couldn't breathe. I was afraid to breathe. And all that scar tissue, all those surgeries, all that, I mean, that really puts a crimp on everything. Absolutely. You you walk bent over, you, you know, don't stand up straight, you lose muscle strength in your in your back body, in your front body. Taking deep breaths hurt yeah. after you've had surgery. So you take as shallow of breath as possible to get by. And I knew how to breathe. I had been trained in breathing, right? Like as a speech pathologist, you use breathing. So I knew the mechanics, but knowing and doing are totally different things. And I didn't realize I had totally inverted my breathing, one. So I was inhaling and exhaling backwards. So I was inhaling and my belly was going in and I was exhaling and my belly was going going out, which is the inverse of what we, how our bodies are designed to breathe. Yeah. But there was something all combined, physical, emotional, that was preventing me from taking deep breaths. A close friend of mine was a yoga instructor. I said to her, can I just come to yoga and learn how to breathe? I don't want to do all the poses. Like I was sadly to say I was one of those, you know, triathletes and marathoners who spent time running, swimming and biking and didn't have time with four children to do yoga. Like <laughs> that was, you know, if I'm not sweating, if I'm not burning calories, if I'm not training for something, I only have an hour. I wasn't going to spend it doing yoga. And can I just come in and learn how to breathe? Of course, she says to me. I come. She starts us in class seated and seated in a comfortable, I say, quote unquote, a comfortable seated posture in the middle of your mat for breath work. Well, seated and comfortable were not two words that I used in the same sentence. So I don't know really what that came over me, but what was awakened inside of me that said, just lay down. Like, you can lay down. I didn't ask. I was the only one that did it. But something awakened in me to again say, listen, like listen to your, your body, your own whisper and just lay down. So I did. And I spent that entire 60 minute class on my back, breathing, relearning how to expand my diaphragm on my inhale and uh, contract it back in on my exhale. And I found myself coming back, 
coming back home, coming back to Jill. I had no idea who Jill was. And until that very moment, didn't know I had completely lost her either. So I kept coming back and I kept coming back. Eventually it came to, I was able to sit and breathe. And that came and then I was able to do some standing postures and add a little bit more standing postures and a little balance work. And each time I came, it became way more than a physical practice. And it became a spiritual practice. It became a meditative practice. It became a truly moving meditation from um, the front of the mat, the middle of the mat, the back of the mat, in and out of my consciousness and subconsciousness of coming back to Jill without any commas after my name. Right. And I was no longer Jill, mother four, Jill, wife, Jill, daughter, Jill, cancer survivor, Jill, recovering from surgery, Jill, the one who can't have sex with her husband, Jill, like all of those commas, all of those explanations started to fly away. And I was left with Jill and I was left coming back home and realizing that everything I ever needed to come back home was already inside of me. Um, and that's where universal love came from and why my title, my, my company's name is universal love spelled Y O U capitalized universal capitalized L O V E that we have the universe inside of us and it lives inside of all of us. Yeah. And universal love is that we all need to recognize, we all need to embrace and share and empower us that we possess so much inside of ourselves, healing powers that live inside of us, that we, we are the universe. And that happened on the mat. It's amazing. And which is why I continued on with my practice and became certified and have been teaching yoga for about six, seven years now. And why I, why I healed amongst other things, trauma therapy, found a trauma therapist, someone who dealt with PTSD, someone who dealt with cancer. I found a coach. I found prayer, met with my rabbi's wife, the Rebbitson, on a weekly basis. And we delve, you know, dove into prayer and lots of healing practices that, you know, led me to where I am now, which is hmm. knowing that it's a daily practice, knowing that yoga and prayer and coaching and therapy continue and continue and continue that there's no graduating, right? We don't graduate from growth and we don't graduate from being human. And 
It's a daily practice of choosing right. to heal. Right. And so this is how you help others to choose to heal. Yeah. So my company, Universal Love, is a a space where people can come to reconnect, reclaim, and redefine their lives after being affected by cancer, after a cancer diagnosis. Right. To begin to heal, to begin to reconnect to their their bodies, to their mind, to society, to reintegrate back into society, into relationships, to reclaim their power, to recognize that they hold so much power and so much control. Um, after going through a, a a diagnosis and treatment and care, you feel like you're out of control, that you have no control. Right. But you do. And you have so much control over thought patterns, over how you nourish, not just with food, but how you nourish your mind, your body, and your spirit, the company you keep. And to guide people in recognizing how much control and power they have. So to reclaim that knowing, right? Just to reclaim that knowing. And then to redefine. And that redefinition is a really important part in the healing process. Redefine your definitions of womanhood, of femininity, of intimacy, of motherhood, of wife, what it means. Redefine friendships. Redefine really your purpose Mm -hmm. in life. Mm -hmm. What are you here for? Why did you survive? And to recognize that all of that, all of those answers, all of that knowing is inside of you. It is universally there inside of you. And I'm just the the container to hold that space for you to come into that knowing. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, I think it's absolutely wonderful that you're doing this work. And uh, from everything that you've experienced, all of your learnings can't but help other people. So if they do want to contact you and connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? So you can visit my website. It is www universal love y o u n i v e r s a l l o v e dot com there are two l's and you can reach out to me there there are contact forms there my phone number's on there my email is on the website so you can please reach out to me there i have coaching services i have yoga um, I am, I did go on and further my training. I'm oncology yoga certified. Excellent. I'm a certified breath coach. And so you can do multiple services together to do different modalities to really get in and feel it in your body and move your body and reconnect. I would love to hear from anybody that would like to reclaim their power and their knowing and begin their their healing journey with me. Yes, that's wonderful. 
Thank you so much for dedicating yourself to doing this. And I'm sure we'll catch up at another time. And I would see. love that. Thank yeah. you so very much. This was, oh. this was my pleasure, my honor. And I just thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you, Jill. It's been an honor, truly. Thank you for listening to Put Cancer Behind You with Maria Barnes. So you won't miss a single episode. We hope you'll follow our program on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite pod platforms. And be sure to visit us at mariabarnes.net, on Facebook at Put Cancer Behind You, on Twitter at PCBY01, or on Instagram at mariabarnespcby. Also, you can help us grow our audience by leaving a thoughtful review. Remember, if you or someone you know is in need of cancer coaching, Maria is here to help. We'll see you next time.